Hey guys, it's Eva and I'm here with another episode of Currently Binging, the podcast about all things TV and movies. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to my voice on. Also, take a few extra seconds, great comment, all greatly appreciate it. So yeah, we have another episode. I have a feeling that this is going to be a pretty quick episode and I mean, we'll get into it, but essentially just wanted to give a little bit of an update because you guys know this whole past year I have complained about, um, like my regular network shows. Cause usually I would do a mid season finale, um, roundup, and then I would do a season finale roundup. I don't think I talked about this when the beginning of, um, Shadow and Bone, I believe that's what that show is called, but (laughs) Riverdale. So Riverdale just fell off the face of the earth and said that it was coming back in later in the spring around May. Then I saw an advertisement that it's not coming back until like the fall, (laughs) but we're still in the current season. That's one example. Uh, another example, some newer shows that I wanted to discuss, one being, uh, what is it? Generation X. Don't quote me on the name, but has generation in it. It's on HBO max. And the other one being the nevers, which had, I guess you can say a mid season finale. And they're supposed to be coming back with more episodes. So I don't know, everything is all over the place and it's just not even on our, um, what is it? Network shows is everywhere. It's across the board. So I'm like, does it make sense? Cause you guys know I, when it comes to TV shows, I usually like to do, I don't like to do it weekly or do it episode by episode. I like to combine it all together and just have all my thoughts out there. And so I've just been like, do I just do like many mid seasons for each one, but I don't know, it doesn't make sense. So still trying to work through that. Most likely I will be um, doing one for the Nevers because I do want to talk about that because I have no clue when it's coming back. At this point, generation, I'm like, does it really make sense? Because it's been a hot minute since it ended and it ended around the time that I actually went out of town. So that's why I have not discussed that one. Uh, and then you guys know, I've mentioned this in, um, previous episodes, but I have also been binging old episodes of the challenge. Cause if you did not know, I am a challenge super fan. So I have been watching old challenges. I kid you guys not. I have watched 22 seasons of the challenge in less than a month. And I don't know what to do with myself. I got all, all the way up to season 33. I was supposed to stop at like season 25 or 26, whichever one was free agents, but I just kept going because I realized even though it seemed like it wasn't that long ago, everything post free agents. I'm like, I still forgot so many things. It's been, it's been eye opening, but it's also been very emotional, surprisingly. I don't know why. Some of the things that I didn't even think twice of when I originally watched these seasons and then watching them now are hitting me in a different way and I don't know what to do about it. But yeah, so I got all the way up to season 33, ended at War of the Worlds, um, the first one. I really wanted to watch World of the Worlds, War of the Worlds 2, and I was going to stop there, but 
season 34 is not available anywhere for some reason. So I was forced to stop. But yeah, so that is what I have been doing. It has been, again, like I said, super interesting. I'm kind of contemplating, do I just do like a whole challenge deep dive or discussion or do I save it and discuss it when, if I potentially discuss the challenge all-star season, which I don't know what I'm going to do. Because if you listened for a while, you know I've only talked about the challenge once. And that was a few years ago. And I struggle with discussing the challenge because I find that I, I get super heated when I talk about it. So <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I just wanted to give those updates because I've just been planning shows moving forward based on how... Um, content is shaking out so finale episode most likely gonna do I'm very behind on a lot of my network shows one because I've been watching the challenge but also two I just have not been that excited to watch a lot of them especially the CW one surprisingly but we'll leave it for when I actually discuss it uh so yes I have some catching up to do there luckily we're not at the finale point Not sure when the finale point will be because we're in May. It's usually generally around this time, but we are in uncharted territory. So I'm assuming it's probably going to be June-ish, maybe uh, July, but we shall see. So yeah, let's get into what you guys actually came here for. We are going to to discuss the woman in the window. (sighs) I'm going to give my warnings now. (laughs) So this is a spoiler-filled podcast. So if you don't want spoilers for any of the content related to this, I would suggest that you end your listening session now. I'm most likely going to spoil things in the books. I am going to spoil things in the movie. And I mean, there's just no getting around it. So there is that. Also, I'm by myself, so I do jump around a lot and you know, just gotta hopefully follow along. So yeah, so let's get to this. I don't really have notes for this. The reason that I watched The Woman in the Window is because I read the book, The Woman in the Window. And if you listened to, I believe I I discussed uh, Behind Her Eyes, This is around that same time period. If you go back and listen to that, I talk about the time period of a lot of the books that I was was reading, because I read a lot of books in a year, and they all tend to be in the thriller suspense category. And at that time, a majority of the thrillers were based on unreliable female narrators unreliable in a way that they have some type of trauma (laughs) and they lost their memory and so they couldn't remember what was going on or they were doing something where their word wasn't valued at a high I don't know how how to, to word it but their their word was not as valuable as it may have been previously to wherever they are in the state that we meet them in the book. So this is one of those stories that falls into that category of unreliable narrator. 
So I had to go back into Goodreads and be like, what did I rate this? Because I'm pretty sure before I even started the movie, I was like, I'm pretty sure I rated this low. <laughs> I gave it a three. It's a three out of out of five on Goodreads. I didn't write a review. But usually if I give it a three, that means it was probably like 2.5 or 3.5. I'm assuming it was possibly 2.5 and I rounded up. And in watching this, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I gave it. This book, or this story rather, okay, before we even get in the story, let's just talk about the actual uh, people in here. So Netflix has been rolling out new movies every month with these high names attached to them. And you're just like high expectations. And then you start watching and you're just like, oh my gosh, essentially seems like a waste. Uh, we have Amy Adams playing Anna Fox, who is our protagonist. And Amy Adams is a wild card for me. Had you asked me like five years ago, maybe even a little more about Amy Adams, I'd be like, oh, anything with Amy Adams like is going to be solid. I want to watch it. Lately, a lot of the things that I've seen her in have been hit or miss, which is unfortunate uh, this is another example of something that falls in the miss category, at least for me, but it's also based on a story that wasn't that great or strong of a story to begin with. <laughs> um, we also have mostly his voice. We do see him in a flashback scene, but we, in some photos, but we have Anthony Mackie who plays her husband, Ed, we have Brian Tyree Henry who plays Detective Little. We have Wyatt Russell. I'm just like, I'm just not going to be able to escape you, huh? He's literally in everything, it seems, at the moment. He plays David. We have Julianne Moore who plays Jane Russell 1, aka Katie. Uh, we have Gary Oldman who plays Alistair Russell. Like, some, some pretty decent names attached. And so. Again, I'm going into this, having read the book and being like, honestly, I couldn't really remember everything that happened in the book because this came out a while ago. I want to say 2017, 2018. And you guys already know this, even this past year has been a blur for me. So there's no way I can even go back that far to even remember <laughs> what even happened. And I've so many stories I've consumed since then. So it's kind of hard to do that. But um <sighs> It was just not for a book that already was not that strong on its own. And then it turned into a movie and not fix some of the things that was not great about the story. To me, doesn't really make sense. I didn't do that much Googling after watching this because honestly, I was just happy that it was over. And I'm happy. I'm also happy that it was not two hours. It was like an hour and 41 minutes or something along those lines. It still felt super, super long watching it, but it, in reality was not that long. So I was grateful for that. Um, and I had moments where I was just like zoning out <laughs> in this. If you are, if you're listening to this, expecting like roses and very positive reviews and things like that probably not going to get it here. But um, yeah, so it just was not that great of a story. If you think about Anna as a character, uh, she has, oh my gosh, let me make sure I get 
the right name of the phobia. Ag- agor- <laughs> agoraphobia. She's agor. Oh my gosh. Agoraphobic. Agor- oh, I don't know. You guys know I'd be messing up names anyways. But essentially she is afraid to go outside and leave her house. And so she has been living in her house watching her neighbors. She gets these new neighbors who move in and meets the son, which was already weird. And I mean, the kid, the guy who plays Ethan, Fred Heckinger, Heckinger or Heckinger. Sorry if I'm messing that up. But I was like, when we first see him, I was like, is he overacting or what is going on? So that was already suspect, even if you're coming into this without any history of what the story is. I felt like the way that he was acting as Ethan when we were first introduced to him just seemed like it was something not genuine about it. <laughs> so when you get to the end and you see what happens, it's kind of like, I just feel like you could see it coming. And I couldn't even remember what happened in the book as far as like, I know that someone had ended up being murdered. And so what she saw was, was real and everything that happened was real, but I couldn't remember like the outcome or how they found out that she was really telling the truth. But either way, so he wasn't even that genuine when we first see him. And then we have the whole story of she's stuck at home. She's talking to her husband, who we were supposed to believe is still alive. Her husband and her daughter come to find out they actually passed away and are really dead. So she's been imagining that because she's been drinking alcohol with her medication, which was another thing I think that I was tired of at that point because (laughs) a lot of the unreliable uh, story character stories that I was reading at the time also a lot of them was because they were drunk and weren't really in their right sober state of mind. So we had that going on. And then you had her neighbors. So the son who was acting like he was socially awkward because he never, they never really said like he had, it was something wrong with him. He was just acting like he has some social issues. And so he used that to his advantage to glean information from Anna and essentially what used that against her to make her feel like she was a crazy person. And then you had her um, tenant who lived downstairs, David, which I was like, Anna girl. And I, I just remember myself when I was reading it, just being so frustrated with her because I felt like there were so many obvious things that were happening either with David or with the people across the street where I was just like, if you could just get out of your head, put down the damn wine glass, (laughs) you would be able to figure it out and get people to believe you. But girl, you just are not making it easy on yourself. But like the moment where in the beginning where she like goes to call for David or whatever, and then she hears someone else down there, I was like, clearly that's Jane Russell or who you think is Jane Russell down there. I also don't remember David being that aggressively mean (laughs) in the book. And I don't know if it was just a remnant from the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I'm just like, 
Wyatt Russell, but like he was an asshole and he didn't seem like that big of an asshole or at least I don't remember him being that big of an asshole in the book. But anyway, so that was horrible. And then, I don't know, it kind of dragged on and you're kind of like the whole time. And this is just me watching this, not revisiting the book and kind of forgetting what happened in the book. But if you had no context or no history with this story, I would feel like you would be watching this like, well, how did she end up where she is today? Why is she afraid to go outside? Did something super traumatic happen to her? Where is her husband and daughter? Are we ever going to see them or are we just going to talk to them on the phone? And so when you get to the point where you find out what happened to her family, to me, and I guess people handle trauma in their own way, so I can't really be critical of the way that she potentially handled that trauma. But to me, that type of a trauma or incident, to me, <laughs> does not correlate to then being afraid of going outside. I can see if something traumatic happened to her specifically. And when I say to her specifically, because you lose her family is still something that happens to her specifically, but something in the lanes of like someone did something to her, someone attacked her, she got like a horrible sickness when she went outside, like something like that, that was someone placing or putting the trauma onto her or inflicting her with trauma versus her being the cause of the car crash because she was cheating on her husband and for some reason wouldn't just let the phone ring and thought she really needs to get the phone at that moment. I don't see how that correlates to then not wanting to or being afraid to leave the house. I don't know. You guys, if you know better than I do, please educate me. But I always thought that that was a weak or not a weak because I don't want to seem like an asshole, but I always felt like that wasn't a strong enough reason for her to be afraid of leaving the house. So yeah, and you guys know, and I say this all the time when I talk about um, books that return into movies or TV shows, I am 100% for changing things uh, between the book and whatever the show or movie is because a lot of times you do that. I said this when I talked about Shadow and Bone. I said this when I talked about uh, Behind Our Eyes. I say this every single time I talk about anything that is based on a book. The book is different because you have more space and opportunity to go further into some of those details that translated into or translated onto the screen is not really meaningful or needed. So I'm all for it. I think if you need to go go ahead, change it up. This is not one of those, because I've said, I've also talked about books where I thought that they should have been a TV show versus the movie. This is not the case. I don't think that we need a more time to spend on this story because I think it probably would have made it even worse or kind of dragged it on a little bit. And it kind of gives me behind her eyes kind of tease because that kind of had moments where it really felt like it was dragging on and it probably could have been or no behind her eyes was a movie or no behind her eyes was not it was a show 
<laughs> so it did have his bones were jacked on a little bit and it felt like it could have been condensed into maybe like a two hour movie uh this one it just i don't think anything could have helped it or even if they would have changed anna's drive or the reason for her having not being able to leave the house then i think then i believe that that would have could have possibly helped but i don't know and it was just like you're stuck in the house with her and she's not really to me a likable character anyway whether you're reading the book or you're watching it on screen she's just not really a likable character that you want to root for so that adds another dimension of resistance <laughs> at least for me i don't know am i on my own did you guys feel the same way let me know but yeah and there weren't really any likable characters in this no one was likable at all anna wasn't likable either jane russell <laughs> was like likable ethan wasn't even likable to me because he just seemed he didn't he seemed like he was up to something or he wasn't genuine so he never came off as likable alistair never came off as likable the detectives never came off as likable so it was just a very hard source material to work with to begin with and they try to make uh i think his name was detective little yeah they try to make him likable towards the end after they save after she's in the hospital, but at that point, it's like, it's too late. She literally was telling you she watched her neighbor, neighbor kill someone and you guys thought she was crazy. <laughs> so whatever. The one thing I did remember though, is when we got to that um, scene where Ethan confronts her and it's like, oh, this whole time I've been playing you. And he's essentially confessing to being a baby serial killer or not a, I shouldn't say a baby serial killer because he wasn't killing babies but like he like a beginner serial killer because essentially before they moved there he had only killed one person but um I was glad I was interesting to see that scene on the roof because reading it and then seeing it it literally looked how I thought that it would look from reading it translated to the screen so kudos on that the only thing was that was like, I don't understand how or why was that it seemed like the ceiling was flooding. But then I was, and you guys know, I can't, I don't really remember this whole story or the like minor details. So I'm, I'm not sure if that was a detail in the book where it's like, and it was flooding or the water was overflowing or something like that. But it was super apparent that it was flooding. And I was like, why is this happening? But it didn't really aid to at least the outcome because she ends up forcing him through the window which that also seemed a little weird the way she knocked him through the window to get him off of her i don't know it was a very unsatisfying <laughs> story as a whole and a very unsatisfying ending and i really don't i didn't feel like even watching it that anything that happened felt surprising and it just went from this kind of chill like lifetimey feel of a movie to all of a sudden like early 90s um, horror movie type of a feel like everything just seemed so super dramatic and over exaggerated when we got to like the fighting and him stabbing David and all that I was just like okay whatever 
I don't know. Very unsatisfying. Do not recommend. <laughs> well, it's too late. If you're listening, then you already watched it. But anyway, so yeah, those are my thoughts on The Woman in the Window. Actually, that was longer than I thought it was going to be. But I honestly don't really have much more to say. I guess I could, if I want to talk about my favorite scenes or the way things were shot, I really didn't have any. I would say the one scene would be outside of when she pushed him through the window. Cause to me, that just seemed, it seemed awkward her, how they, how they had her do it. And then it just seemed like it was her and her hair being like, okay, push him one time and then push him again. Like counting, like, you know, when you dance and you count in your head, it felt like that before like a fight choreo scene. That's what it felt like to me or how it came out. But I love the, how that scene looked because to me, when I read that scene, and then to see that scene on screen, it literally is how I would have envisioned it. Also, the house, how I envisioned the house in my head and how they had the house on screen, also very similar. So they did a great job like bringing at least the house to life because she is, we literally do not leave the house at all. <laughs> So they did a great job of bringing that and translating that from um, book to screen. But yeah, everything else, oh, I don't know. But <laughs> you guys let me know what you guys thought about The Woman in the Window. Was it worth watching? Do we even need this to be made into a movie? Those are all valid questions and I would love to hear your answers. <laughs> So let me know and I will talk to you guys in the next episode. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking through it to the end. Be sure to follow me on all the social media platforms at currently Benjamin on Instagram and at current Benjamin Twitter. Also hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you listen to podcast on and I'll talk to you in the next one.